Cavalcade Audio Productions presents Star Drifter, the science fiction patio book series written and read by David Collins Rivera. Book Two, Street Candles. Today's installment, Chapter 38. When I can truly say I came to, it was with a sense that time had passed, maybe hours. A guy was sitting in a chair next to me, reading from a small data pad. I was in bed, but propped up, and the room was bright and cheerful. I didn't have any pants. It was hard to see because my eyes were really gummy. I yawned and blinked for a while, trying to clear my vision. It was a hospital room, with curtained windows off to one side, and sunlight streaming in. It was very quiet. The walls were painted white, which was nice, but they were odd and familiar at the same time. Hello, the man said, having looked up at my movement. He appeared to be in his mid-forties and had close-cropped, salt-and-pepper curly hair and very dark skin. His eyes were a deep, earthy brown set in ivory, and they seemed very kind. He wore a black, semi-formal uniform, but I didn't recognize his cuff stripes. Uh, hi. How do you feel? Pretty good, I guess. How are you? He smiled, and it too was kind. I'm doing well, Mr. DeSantos. Thank you for asking. I'm Dr. William Botwana. Do you know where you are? Not really. A fleet vessel of some kind. He seemed puzzled by that response. That is true. But how did you know? This room is designed to appear like its planet side. I blinked again and tried to rub my eyes, but my hand didn't seem to respond properly. It was very curious. Well, um, your uniform is fleet, and that wall looks a lot like a mainline bulkhead. He stared where I indicated for a few moments, then nodded slightly and returned his gaze to me. That's an astute observation. I'm known for my astuteness. He smiled again at that. Most people find the window comforting when they first wake up. Yes, it's nice. I like it. Even though you know it's fake? That puzzled me. How could that matter if it's doing its job? He said nothing in response, but watched me with gentle ease. How did I get here? I wondered aloud, more to myself than to him, but he answered anyway. Ah, well, that's a bit of a story. You were injured. His words were soft, yet they carried comfortably, 
and without any special effort or emphasis in the quiet room. No. Cabin. Badly? It was serious, he confirmed. I'm told you'll be making a full recovery. You were very lucky. Do you remember how you were hurt? Not really. You're told I'll recover? But you said you're a doctor. I am, yes, but I am not your attending physician. I am a neuropathologist and cognizance disorder specialist. I'm sorry, I... I, I don't know what that means. Well, you can think of me as a type of psychiatrist, I suppose. He still held a warm, gentle look and seemed very wise. I was starting to think it was a practiced thing rather than a truly natural reflection of the man, but I liked him nonetheless. Am I crazy? Do you think you're crazy? No. That's good. I don't think you're crazy either. Do you feel up to answering a few questions? I'm kind of thirsty, actually. There was a dispenser and cup right at the bedside, and he poured a drink of cold water. I tried to reach for it, and I could actually lift my hand this time, but it was too shaky for a drinking cup. This surprised me, because I didn't feel weak or nervous at all. He held the cup to my lips and tipped it gently. The water had the clean, distilled taste of a high-quality reclaim system, like a ship should have, or a fresher in a factory. And I found it comforting in a way I hadn't realized I needed until that moment. I had been thirsty for more than water and this last physical certainty of being in space, upon a ship, was downright heartwarming. That's a nice smile, the doctor said, offering me another of his own. It's great water. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. I blinked reflexively for a bit hoping to clear the sleep from my eyes and maybe to start up my retinals, but they didn't respond. My ocular implants. We had to remove them, Mr. DeSantos. I'm sorry. They were damaged. Oh, okay. I can answer your questions now. Good. I'm afraid most of them will seem nonsensical. It's a test, really. For what? He thought a bit, as if to frame his answer in layman's terms, and he sat back in his chair. Your injuries required some exceptional treatments. This test is one of the ways we look for side effects. Do you mean I might have brain damage? Well, not in the traditional sense. There can sometimes be complications, though. We want to make certain that you're getting better. I stared at him for a few seconds, not really processing it, and I probably wore a look that matched. I think I was in a fight. Yes, yes you were. What can you tell me about it? I don't, um, I, I don't think I remember. 
Well, that's okay. It's normal at this stage of your progress. A good sign, actually. And we proceeded to talk for a few minutes. His questions were, indeed, quite random. What is a cat? What are shoes for? What do you do when a person asks for directions? How many territories are there in space? They ranged all over the place, but were never specific to me or my life. I must have started looking tired, because Dr. Batwana wrapped the test up in just a couple of minutes. You have been helpful, Mr. DeSantos. Thank you very much. Did I do okay? Why, yes. Yes, you did. I think you are recovering quite well. That's nice. Yes, he said, but he was starting to fade away, and his words were coming through a long tunnel. But you should rest. Rest. The next time I awoke, it was in another room. They were moving me around. There were three people this time, all in white coats, looking very interested in me. Dr. Batwana wasn't with them. Hello, Ejok, a woman said. She was the eldest of them and acted like the boss. I'm Dr. Kylie. How are you feeling? <sighs> okay, I guess. I'm on a station now? Why, yes. How do you know that? We're spinning. I can feel it. I was born on a station. Ah, that's right. You're at Fort Con Fleet Hospital, Dealey Waypoint. I've never been here before, I commented, but I don't know why. Fort Dealey was a military station, so they'd already know that. That's correct, you haven't. Very good. She wasn't as kindly or gentle-seeming as Dr. Batwana, but she wasn't mean or brusque either. Professional, I guess, and I could draw some comfort from that. Do you know what happened to you? I... I was injured. In a battle, I think. There were... Uh, drones? One drone, yes. I guess I lost. I don't know those details, Ejok, I'm sorry. These are doctors Esten and Dadar. We are hoping you could answer some questions. Another test? One of many, I'm afraid. You were severely injured. How badly, then? She weighed her thoughts, looking at a data pad in her hand that I hadn't noticed until then. You suffered electrical shock and severe radiation exposure. You had quite a few broken bones along with cranial and internal organ damage. Wow. Why am I alive? Well, if you believe in a higher power of some kind, that may explain it. Otherwise, it was luck, and lots of it. <laughs> the cat came through for me, then. She looked confused, and I smiled, nodding for her to go on. Can you state your full name? I did, and she marked it on the pad. Do you know your citizen ID number? I did, and she marked it. Can you tell me how old you are? Can you tell me what color the door is? 
Can you tell me if you are hot or cold? Can you tell me? Can you tell me? Can you tell me? It seemed to go on for a long time, and I got tired again. But these guys weren't like Dr. Batwana. They were professional, and they had a job to do. So they kept asking and asking until I finally closed my eyes. I was in the same room when I woke up next and extremely hungry. But I was getting used to having no pants. I was starting to like it, in fact. There wasn't anyone with me, but they were monitoring, I guess, because within a minute or so, the door to the room opened and two people entered. It was another doctor I didn't know, and a guy in a fleet duty uniform, dark gray and crisp. Hello, Ejok, said the doctor, a man in his thirties, maybe. I'm Dr. Hamilton. This is Captain Marzian of the Fleet Office of Stellar Affairs. Okay. He has some questions for you, if you wouldn't mind. More tests? In a way, he'll be asking real questions about the events that brought you under my care. As he asks, I'll be observing. Is that all right? Sure. He gave me a short smile, then sat back in a chair by the wall. Captain Marzian, who also looked to be in his thirties, but taller and broad-shouldered, dragged a chair to sit more closely. He had a round face and was going bald under his buzz cut. His eyes were assessing and intelligent, but he smiled some too. Hello, Ejok. I'll try to keep this brief. You, uh... You have a lot of people talking. Really? Imagine that. Famous at last. Indeed you are, in certain circles anyway. He had a pleasant grin, calculated to disarm, which made me wary. I tried not to show it. What can you tell me about your trip to Choral Prime, your cruise to Barlow? What do you want to know? I don't remember everything. Well, does the name Alan Small mean anything to you? I blinked because my eyes were gummy again, but this time I could actually lift my hands to rub them. He's dead, I think. I think he's dead. Yes, he is. Did you know him before signing on to Griselda at Oasis? Had you ever met the man? No, I, I don't think so. I liked him, though. I said, smiling. I think I killed him. He was a very bad guy. Captain Marzian studied me as he spoke, but he never wasted time or even stopped to form his questions. He was a sharp fellow. Why do you think you killed him? I don't know. I think... I think I made him shoot at us. Why did you do that? So the... Yes, the drone... There was a noble space drone, so the drone would fire on his boat. He was in a gunboat, I think. Yes, he was. How did you know the drone would fire on his boat if he attacked your ship? How did you know that? I didn't know. I was hoping. I hate hoping. It's like waiting to fail. 
And you figured this might be possible based on what information? I had to think about that. Not the question. I remembered enough about Descu to answer him then. But I had to decide if I wanted to even talk to a uniform. It was like letting them in, and they had no right to that. I wasn't in fleet, and I wasn't under anyone's command. Except... Except... Who was that again? Um, the guy that sent the robot after us? The Baron? Yeah, him. He wanted the data block. Yes, good. And what about that? Well, we had it, and the gunboat didn't. He had to protect us to get it from us, right? Did you work for Baron Deskew? I laughed at that, and it actually hurt down in my stomach. I must have grimaced, and I know I groaned. Careful, Ejok, the doctor ordered, getting up and coming to my side. The healing process isn't completed. The muscles in your abdomen are immature yet. <laughs> they go with my sense of humor. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> but they didn't think that was funny, I guess, and the pain didn't really subside. The doctor called a halt to the interrogation or test, and I was given something to help me rest. Captain Marzian thanked me and left. I thought I'd see Dr. Hamilton off and on for a few more days at least, but I guess the stomach thing was more serious than I knew, because they put me back under, and more time passed. I next remember opening my eyes upon a woman I didn't know. She sat in the chair nearby. The chair? A chair. Different room again. She was older than me and had deep brown skin and very short, close-cropped hair that was going silver. She was asleep in the chair. She was... Good God! Carmi! She opened her eyes with a snort and looked confusedly at me for a moment then leaned forward and kissed me on the forehead. Welcome back, Ejok. Your hair! Seriously? That's the first thing you notice? Well, it's a big change. She gave me a small, almost sad grin and just leaned back, staring. You're so trim now, Guns. Losing the weight like, well, like you did, isn't the best way, but you look great anyway. I do like your hair, Captain, honestly. She gave me a dubious look. Well, there have been a lot of changes while you've been on your back. Not everyone lives like a king, you know. How long have you been here? She glanced at her watch and cocked her head, thinking. About three hours, I guess. They expected you to wake up this shift, and I got permission to wait here. Where is this place? We're on a station. I can feel it. Are we still at that Fort, uh, what was it? Oh, Fort Khan? No. We're in Margus system now. Sebastian Fleet Recovery Hospital on Grant Station. That seemed odd and mysterious, because I knew Margus was at least a hundred light-years from Barlow. That would have been quite a trip. 
How long has it been? Since you came here? No, since... Oh, um, okay. Ejok, you were badly injured. Yeah, I was told that. What have they been doing? Well, because of the extent of your injuries, they had to do a lot of genetic work on you. What do you mean? Am I changed? No, no, she assured, because I must have looked alarmed. I surely didn't want to end up like those biohacker freaks with feathers and tails and stuff. And I didn't want to look like someone else entirely, like... Alan Small, was it? They strictly adhered to your own sequence. They went by the gene code in your Alliance ID, and even recovered fresh DNA from your cabin on Griselda to use as a comparison. They've been very careful, and I've been in the loop on your treatment. Well, okay. Thanks. So, it's been a while, then? Ejak, it's been over 200 days since Barlow. Are... are you sure? Six months? It doesn't feel that long. Oh, it does to me, she laughed. Her mirth was infectious, and I almost started too, just from the warmth of her presence. But I remembered my last bout of laughter, and it had hurt. I restricted myself to smiling. I don't know why, but I touched my ear then, before I even consciously thought of it. Oh, it feels good. Did they fix it? Yes. It gave them a lot of trouble, I'm told. Ears are hard. It wouldn't force grow in situ the way they wanted, so they cloned you a new one and replaced it. An ear in a jar. I wish I'd seen that. She laughed again, and this time I couldn't help but follow. It didn't hurt at all. So I'll be okay then? Yes, you will. Physically, anyway. Your memory might be spotty. They're not sure yet. That, um, that's what you need to be ready for. What do you mean? Fleet has been interrogating us all for, well, ever since they rescued us. Rescued? I, I, I don't... She held up her hand and I let her go on. This looked difficult, and I wanted to understand it all. Suddenly, I needed to understand it. Griselda was damaged amidships. Do you remember the breaker that failed out? Sherry's repair held, but the panel itself couldn't take the surge. It exploded. You were very close to it. Sherry was, too. My voice was quiet, and I was suddenly very frightened. But this was it. This was the thing to hear. I was ignorant, and she had to keep going. She... she didn't make it, Ejok. She's... dead? Yes. She's gone. We're all... We're like... I can't even... <laughs> she was weeping now, and it looked like she'd had an awful lot of practice. I needed to know more. But maybe not. Maybe that was the only thing, because as delighted as I'd been to see my captain only a minute before, 
I suddenly didn't want to hear her anymore. I didn't want her around. I didn't want anyone. Carmi, I'm really tired. It's not your fault, Ejok. I just want to rest. She saved our lives. You saved our lives. Please go away. Ejok, I said I'm tired. Leave me alone. Leave me alone! Leave me alone! I couldn't see her because my eyes were gummy again. They were sticky and overflowing from all the sleep and probably all the drugs. Yes, that's what it was, the drugs. I couldn't make her out. I couldn't make out the bed, the room, or anything else. Anything, except for a young woman's smile. I turned on my side to face the blank bulkhead, while Carmi wept behind me. You have been listening to Street Candles, written and read by David Collins Rivera. You can check out my site at cavalcadeaudio.com or drop me an email at lostinbronx at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-N-B-R-O-N-X at gmail. The Star Drifter theme is a piece called Icor by Trunks and can be found on soundcloud.com. The Street Candles theme is called Undercover by Karsten Holy Moly and can be found on dig.ccmixter.org. This production is otherwise copyright 2013 by David Collins Rivera and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Feel free to use it for any purpose, even commercial, and I encourage you to do so. Street Candles is a work of fiction and is not based upon nor meant to portray any person living or dead or any particular place or situation. Thank you for listening. Take care.